Wonderful heaven, the children sing. We have been making our way through the Gospel of Matthew and have, we're in part four now of uh, some time in the Beatitudes. And the one that is before us today, we find is uh, the sixth one, or the seventh one, sorry. And it is the verse nine. So Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Uh, Father, we thank you for the privilege of this wonderful truth that it is possible to be called sons and daughters of you. And Lord Jesus, it is you who has made the specialness of this season possible and we celebrate you. We thank you for little children's voices who can sing to you and because of you. And Father, I would, I would ask you to let every one of us have that childlike delight in you, Jesus, for what you have accomplished. And if there's someone here listening to my voice that does not have that kind of delight in you or that kind of childlike trust, I pray that you would give that to us today. Give every one of us a renewed sense of the awe uh, that we ought to have with how wonderful and magnificent of a Savior you are, how great of a Lord that you are, how mighty of a Messiah you are. Would you grant us that faith? And Lord, by your Spirit, I know that that is possible. And so I ask for you to work in our hearts this morning. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we see the topic of this morning is peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And uh, this is the normal course of our moving through the, the Beatitudes and through the Gospel of, of Matthew that we see. But um, it's interesting there's a connection because we find that today, as you heard the hearts read just a little bit ago, we lit a candle called the, uh, the, the shepherd's candle, which represents peace. So I think the Lord would have us think about peace this morning. And so those two things sort of come together, and it's a simple statement, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Sons uh, is a word which obviously would mean a male offspring. Uh, this is God's children, effectively, is what he's saying. But there is an interesting second meaning to son, which carries a, a meaning that maybe you didn't know, that in first century um, Greco-Roman culture, this word son is also used to communicate an adoption. So when an illegal adoption has happened and someone has been adopted into a family, the son is the phrase that is used to include all of the benefits, all of the goodness, as well as the responsibilities and obligations of coming into a family. And when Paul uses this word, he uses it in reference to all Christians, male and female, and as designated as the children of God with all of those rights and privileges. And so not only just a male child or a male offspring, but also one who has been adopted into a family, and given the context of Scripture, this is uh, part of that meaning. Um, all of us being adopted as Christians into the family of God, this, this is part of the nature of transformation from out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. 
And there's also another reference, a son of, that phrase, you've heard son of so-and-so, it means one who is a follower or a disciple of, and who then characteristically becomes like the one he's following. So not only adoption is, is carried with this word, but also imitation, you might say, where we're called to obey and become like. And so here's the blessing. Blessed are those who are peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now Jesus is the one that is pronouncing this blessing. And then also in this, um, this particular Sunday of Advent, with the connection of the shepherd's candle representing peace, um, it, it seems peace is coming at us from two different streams. And so there is a connection and it all points back to Jesus. So, but I, I just want us to think about this for a second because the, the reason the fourth uh, candle is called the angel's candle is because of the message of peace that the angels came and pronounced at Jesus' birth. And, and I want to take you back, if you will, with me. We're going to take a little jump out of the Beatitudes and go to Luke chapter 2. So if you would flip over in your copy of Scripture or scroll over <clears throat> to Luke chapter 2. We see this in verses uh, 8, chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. Because part of the message that the angels proclaim is peace. Something that they say related to the arrival of Jesus. <clears throat> so in that portion of scripture where they present uh, the announcement of the angel, it's one angel who first appears to the shepherds. So we're outside Bethlehem. Go with me in your imagination. And there's one angel who appears to those shepherds and says to them the first words which are almost always on uh, the lips of angels, which is don't be afraid, because at the appearance of the angel, they were terrified, which is exactly what happens in almost every occasion an angel appears before anyone, they're utterly terrified, and so the angel says, fear not. He says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people, which means not just Jews, the good news that he's about to announce is for everyone, including the Gentiles. And so here is a promise of good and great news. And the angel says something which is absolutely unique in scripture. He says, to, good, the good news is because there has been born today someone who is both Savior, Christ, this is verse 11, and Lord. Savior, Christ, and Lord. It's the only place in the New Testament where all three of those titles are applied to Jesus. And it's an angelic messenger. He is saying something about Jesus, which is absolutely breathtaking because he's just been born. And so he is announcing a message. So Savior, that goes back to what we saw the angel say to Joseph when he said, this son who will be born to you is a Savior who will save his people from their sins. So that savior aspect is manifested in saving from sins. That's not the typical deliverer. So something is special about him, and that is, is seen in the next title, which is Christ, which means Messiah. The anointed one, long ago, promised to come, that one who is particularly anointed by God in order to accomplish all of, of the will of God. That's who Christ is. The Messiah, those two words mean the same thing. The anointed one is the one particularly chosen by God to accomplish all of his will. And the angel is saying, not only is this child savior, deliverer from sin, but also the long appointed Messiah who will fulfill all of God's will. And the next word is Lord. He is also Lord. 
Now, what is crazy about that word is this is the Greek word that in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, Hebrew Old Testament, this is the word that is used of God in describing his personal name. So he is saying about this child who has just been born that he will carry the name of God the Father, Yahweh, in the Old Testament. That's astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. And yet this is the child who was born. Now that's one angel saying this to these shepherds. But then now comes the connection with what I said at the beginning related to peace. All of a sudden there is a multitude of heavenly hosts is what we are told in verse 12. A multitude of heavenly hosts who joined this single angel in proclaiming this truth about the baby boy who has just been born, who is both Savior, Christ, and Lord. And they sing praises to the Lord in verse 14. So look with me in, in verse 14. Glory, we just sang it. You sang it this morning. I don't know if you knew it or not. I'm sure you did. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's what the heavenly choir was singing. Now the word host, the heavenly host who appeared, it's actually the word that is used for a Roman army. So you could say this is an army of angels. This is an angelic army that has, has come for this is the very word that describes a company in militarized formation. And yet these angels have not come for war. They've come for worship. They have not come in militaristic power. They have come in majestic praise. They have come to sing the praises of a newborn king. And so they didn't come to fight. They came to sing. So something incredibly different is happening here. But it's the peace that I want you to see. So this, this is the climax of this story, this little episode of the shepherds out in the fields. And the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So they come proclaiming peace. That's, that's the heavenly choir. Angels, thousands of them gathered to sing glory to God because peace has come. And I don't know about you, but I grew up um, on the King James Version. I'm just curious. How many of you, you all you, you early memories, you're the, you're the King James Version. You memorized this verse in King James. Yeah, many of us, that's, that's what we understood. And have you ever been troubled by the fact that the language is quite different here? Because it's not the same translation. So the King James Version translates verse 14 in this way. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace goodwill to men. That's, that's how we all memorized it. We, we sang that song. It's embedded in many songs. And so what is the difference? Why did the ESV translators translate this very differently? It has to do with peace. So I, there is a point that I'm, I'm driving at. So stay with me. Um, th the reason of the difference, there's several actually, but the primary reason is the King James Version was finished in 1611. And subsequent discoveries of, of biblical manuscripts have, have been revealed that predate the manuscripts that the translators of the King James Version had. For example, the manuscripts that were discovered in 1947 in the caves of Qumran also had some of the oldest manuscripts that we have, ev have ever been found. And so some of those 
uh, manuscripts are different in this particular verse. And so what you'll see, if you have an English standard version, many of you do, you'll see a footnote that will tell you the reason for the difference is that some manuscripts have a different wording. In my Bible, my copy, it's footnote number four. It says manuscripts are, are peace. Some of them say peace, goodwill among men. Well, the question is, this is ambiguous. Have you ever thought, from whom does the peace come and the goodwill come? Where's the source of the peace and the goodwill? When I was a kid, I read this verse and, and paid attention to it, and I thought what the angels were, were saying was, we ought to praise God He's glory, he's glorious, he's glorious in the highest, so praise him, but peace be goodwill to each other, meaning you guys be nice to each other, play well together. So Jesus has come, it's like when your parents say, when somebody important comes over, now I want you to be on your best behavior. You've heard that, some of you? you mind your P's and Q's. And so I thought that's what this meant. But as we dig into this, what we have discovered is that's not quite what's going on. So in some of the oldest manuscripts, there is a, a sigma, a Greek S is added to the end of the word that is translated as favor or pleasure, in his, his, the people of his good pleasure. And what that tells us is that God is the source of this favor or good pleasure, not man. So this is, the angels are not saying, give glory to God and, and you guys be nice to each other. He is saying, give glory to God because God has been nice to you. He is saying, God has given you peace. And so to correct this, because some of the oldest manuscripts are the most reliable, that's the fundamental source of, uh, of the principle that we, we look at in biblical translation, the oldest manuscripts are the closest to the original. And so all subsequent translations, newer translations, would retain the translation that is similar to what the ESV carries. So for example, the NIV uses the same language, the NASB, the NEB, the ASV, and the H. SC. If you have no idea what that means, that's okay. There's so many different translations, and yet the point is the oldest manuscripts are the more reliable, and so this shapes our understanding of how it ought to be translated. So this is helpful because what the angels are proclaiming is God is glorious, and he is not just glorious, and so you guys be kind to one another. He is glorious because he has sent to you the very peace that is required in order to have a relationship with him through Jesus, right? The, the, the praise of God comes in connection with, Jesus, with the arrival of Jesus or the birth of Jesus because Jesus is going to be the one through whom the peace comes. So there's not merely an acclamation here of some general kind of peace and goodwill that ought to be demonstrated among all of humanity, which it ought to be. But the praising of God here is that God has done something extraordinary and supernatural in the birth of Jesus because through him, peace has come. And the question is, peace among whom? Is it generic peace among one another or is it, as I am convinced, peace between God and man? 
is the peace being proclaimed for which we ought to praise God and, and for which he has supplied us, is it simply peace among one another? Does, does Jesus' coming give us the ability to, to be kind to one another? Or has the coming of Jesus brought a kind of peace that exists between holy, holy, holy God and sinful, sinful, sinful man? That's the peace that Jesus brings. And there will be no peace among us playing nice together without first there is peace between God and man. Because if you're not right with God, you won't be right with man, with your fellow mankind. The, the miracle of peace that Jesus brings is atonement. He brings peace between the holiness of God and the sinfulness man. He's the one who reconciles that difference. And this is what Isaiah was pointing to in the Old Testament when he prophesied that the Messiah would be the prince of peace. Isaiah 9, chapter 6. We read this earlier in one of the readings for the lighting of the Advent candles. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his people, on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace primarily comes to bring peace between God and man, not merely peace on earth among one another. We have to have our sin atoned for before we can ever happily enter into the presence of the Lord God Almighty. No human being, no sinful human being would ever dare march into the presence of a holy God because as you remember God saying to Moses, no one can see my face and live. No sinful person can enter into my presence and survive because I am so holy. I cannot tolerate the presence of sin. And yet Jesus comes in order to enable sinful people to have the righteousness required to enter into the presence of God. That's the peace that Jesus comes to bring. Because if Jesus did come to bring peace on earth, meaning we all just get along nicely together, did it work? He's failed miserably if that's what Jesus came to do. How many of you remember, go back into your history uh, lessons that you learned and the, the Kellogg uh, Peace Pact. You remember that from the 1928? There was a peace pact signed by uh, France and the United States, uh, drafted and signed in Paris in 1928 that called for global peace and for war to be outlawed forever. 47 nations signed it. And you know how long it lasted? Three years, 1931, when Japan invaded China. Uh, we, there's no peace on earth if there's sin in the heart of mankind. And Jesus comes to give every human being a new heart. He comes to change our hearts. And that's what new birth is. New birth, transformation comes from the inside out. There will always be strife among people until we are right with the Lord God because no one can stand in patience and peace with your fellow man if you know you're not right with God. 
That, that acceptance, being called the sons and daughters of God, is what being adopted into the family of God gives you the ability to tolerate the nonsense of other people. And Jesus says very clearly, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. Do you know he says that in the Bible? Let me read you Matthew 10, 34. He, he's not talking about some kind of generic peace, a godless kind of peace. Because he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Those are breathtaking words absolutely breathtaking. What Jesus is saying is, I have come to be number one in your life. I have be, I've come to be worshiped above all. I, I'm come to bring peace because there's gonna be differences between you. People are gonna be divided, right? I've come to be number one in your heart the greatest source of your affection, the highest aspect of your devotion. That's who I want to be. I want to be loved and cherished more than you cherish your mother and father, more than you cherish your own biological family, more than you cherish your spouse and even your own children. This, this, is, the, this is the words of Jesus. And there will never be peace who, who, between people who see that and say, yes, yes, Jesus, I will love you above all other people on this planet. People who say that will never be at peace with people who don't say that because they think you're nuts. He calls us to this kind of devotion. These are the words of Jesus. And so I, I wonder, how can we have peace with one another if our hearts aren't in right alignment with the Lord? Jesus came to give you a new heart and to give me a new heart, a transformed heart. How? How does he do that? It is by atoning for sin and us believing in his sacrifice that actually atoned for sin and purchased the right for the Holy Spirit to be given to sinful people. Let me read the passage of scripture where Paul talks about this. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. He very clearly, look, look for the words peace and the connection to Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Peace between who here? Ask the question. It's not between me and you. The, the blood of Christ purchased peace between sinful people and a holy God. He purchased, he is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Hostility between who? Not me and you. Hostility between sinful people and a holy God. He tore down that hostility by abolishing the law of commandments as expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. There's a new birth, a new heart, a new man in the place of two and so making peace between God and man and also between us. 
It's there. And he might reconcile us both to God. Do you see the primary point? He might reconcile us both to God in one body, Jesus' body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he, be, has, he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. Those who are far off are the Gentiles. Those who are near are the Jews. And he says, you both need peace. Peace with God. So how can that peace happen? It is only by the blood of Jesus. When God set a rule, the rule must be kept. Anyone who disobeys God is worthy of death, is what the first rule ever given was in Genesis chapter 1, or 2 actually. And so don't obey me is the principle. And what do we do as humans? As soon as we have five minutes, we disobey. Right? Don't eat. You can eat from every tree on the planet, but just not that one. And what do you want? You know, it's like you can come over to my house. You can go through every room except just that one. And what do you do? You're going straight for the one you can't go to. That's how we're broken people. And yet, how do we have peace with God? It is by the blood of his cross. The blood that Jesus shed atoned God's just fury against our rebellion and completely changed the attitude of God and disposition toward those who come to him through Jesus. This is why Jesus is so critical. This is why Jesus is so important. His coming effected something that nobody else on the planet has ever done. He was completely holy and completely righteousness. And so when our faith is in him and what he has accomplished, the payment for sin, the, the proof of that payment by being resurrected from the dead demonstrates that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. And so anyone who goes to God through Jesus will be accepted by him. Anyone who puts faith in God in the name of Jesus will be adopted as sons and daughters. That's the peace that Jesus brings. Peace between God first and foremost. If I know I am good with God and, and his spirit has been given to me, then I'm, I'm okay if somebody else is not okay with me. Right, we, we, Jesus didn't come to make us all happy sinners playing in the same condemned sandbox. He came to bring life to sinners and transform us into people who love righteousness and holiness. And then blessed are the peacemakers. If, if that's who Jesus is, Jesus is the one who, through whom peace with God is possible, then those sons and daughters who get adopted into his family by believing that message, what are we then called to do? We, we have to help primarily. We are called to then explain that. The greatest peace that, we, that is needed in humanity is peace between sinful men and a holy God. That's what we're called to say. So we're called to talk about salvation as being an understanding of I'm a sinner. I know I am a sinner justly condemned. And yet the only way to have my sins atoned for is through Jesus. And wholehearted, soul-focused trust in Jesus, in, in what he has accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection, that's the faith that transforms a person. And so... I know if, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I am, I am confident 
The only reason I will be allowed into heaven is because of Jesus's righteousness that has been graciously given to me, not because I've done a lot of good stuff while I was here. The righteousness of Christ is is the hope of the Christian. And he gives us his spirit who then begins to work righteousness within us. And he does that at different paces. But peace, first and foremost, that Jesus brings is peace between God and man. Then it gets worked out to peace among ourselves. And so we're called The blessing here is blessed are the peacemakers, those who are making peace. How do we do that? I think we first must do it by being able to say to sinful people around us, the only way you can be right with God is to go to him through Jesus and and understand his sacrifice and his atonement and what he's accomplished. That's the first making peace that we are called to do is by sharing the good news of the gospel with those who don't know God. That's what we're called to do, expressing that peace. And then, of course, following on that is, yes, we are to live at peace with all people insofar as it is possible for us. Yes, we are to play nice together. Yes, we are to be kind to each other. But I want to ask you, do you look at Jesus and think about all that he has accomplished and primarily see he's the one who changes the disposition of God the Father from anger at my sin to adopting me as his son, Jesus is the one who accomplishes that. Jesus is the means by which I, 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 as an outsider, one who's far off, is now invited into the family of God. That's the peace that Jesus brings. And blessed are the people who carry that message into a world who needs to know there is a way to be at peace with God There is a way through faith in Jesus to be at peace with God and there's a way to be at peace with one another. And that is knowing the love of a God who would say to you, I want you to be my family. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. And then God help us and let the kingdom come in this church so that we can say to one another, well, if God's accepted you, I can too. If God loves you and he knows all your mess and I don't know half of your stuff, I can certainly hope I can, I can receive you. Can we be kind to one another? Can we forgive one another? Can we be tenderhearted toward one another? Can we strive to make peace among ourselves? I think that's what we're called to do and that's what we want to worship the Lord Jesus for because he has done that. He has enabled peace with the holiness of God as well as peace among each other. And we're gonna sing a song in a minute that praises God um, for the peace that he he brings. And I wanna invite you, when you sing it, let it be a prayer. Let it be a, a prayer, a worshipful prayer to God as an expression of that desire for peace and if you don't know, if, you, if you're not sure you have, you're at a peaceful place between you and God, then there's a way to make sure that that happens. The Bible tells us if you confess your sins, you repent, you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, you, you cry out to him for forgiveness, he hears your prayer, and he will forgive you. Maybe that's some of you what you need to do today. You need to, you need to make sure that you know where the state of your soul is. If that's you today, don't leave unless you get right with the Lord. And maybe you need to get right with somebody else. 
Maybe there's somebody in this room or somebody in your family or somebody that comes to mind that you, you're not at peace with. I think Jesus would say, be at peace. What is it gonna take? Be at peace with your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And is it hard work? Yes, yes it is, but is it worthy work? Yes, because the Lord says, those who make peace are blessed. And so I'm, I wanna pray and I want you to pray with me. Are you right with the Lord? And secondly, are you right with your brothers and sisters? If not, ask the Lord to reveal to you what needs to happen in order to make both of those things come true today. Let's pray. Father, your word says that blessings are granted to those who make peace. And the first blessing is being called a son or daughter. So Lord, my, my heart is for those who don't yet know you or aren't sure. Please let, to be, let today be a day in which there's no doubt about the state of our soul. If there is someone in this room who is uncertain where they stand with you, would you let today be a day of salvation? Let day, today be a day of adoption and acceptance and transformation. And, and Lord, thank you for the sweet promise that if we confess our sins and we ask uh, for forgiveness, if we believe in our heart that you are the Son of God and that you died and rose again, then we'll be saved. And Lord, a, a, a simple prayer along those lines is the means by which you pour your spirit into the heart of your people. And I, I pray you do that for those who are, are thinking, where do I stand before you? And Lord, some of us who are hearing my voice, we, we're not at peace with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we need to be. And I would ask you, Lord, be gentle with us and reveal to us what will it take what will it take for us to be at peace? And blessed are the peacemakers, so let us go out from this room immediately and make peace with whoever it is we're not at peace with. And Lord, I ask, would you let us be a peaceful people? Let us be the kind of people who first and foremost want to share the good news that it is possible for sinful people to live happily with a holy God through faith in the Lord Jesus. Let us share that message, put a desire in our hearts to be on the alert for opportunities when we can share the reason for the hope that is within us. Let that aspect of your kingdom come within us, Lord. And I pray also, Lord, that you would grant a movement of your spirit so that there is no lingering sense of, of uh, unhelpful uh, unforgiveness and and bitterness or offenses that we might be clinging to. Let us be at peace with one another. So Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let the peace of the kingdom rest upon your people and transform our hearts, Lord, from the inside out. We look to you to do all of this and we know that with you, all things are possible. In Christ Jesus' name I pray, amen.